the the hardest thing about the kitchen would be not creating menus, not creating dishes or um, anything like that. Is actually the management of staff. That was probably the hardest for me. Is to actually understand how to lead a team properly, how to manage the team properly, and how to get the best out of them. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Taking a modern interpretation of a cuisine has its dangers, but it can also allow creativity to flourish and let new ingredients shine in a different context. Christian Vale is the head chef of China Lane in Sydney. Christian, how are you? I'm not too bad. How are you? Good. It's good to get you on the show. You've got a neat little restaurant tucked away in a laneway in Sydney. How are things trading at the moment? Um, yeah, look, it's really steady at the moment. Um, we we had our ups and downs, as as most people did in the city. Um, I would say, you know, but towards the middle of last year, um, we really started to see a change in the city, which is good. You know, so a lot a lot more businesses and people are, are back now. So like, it's it's pretty much almost back to normal, which is it's it's great. Is is the restaurant offering a little bit different to sort of three years ago? You know, before the pandemic, that sort of the upheaval for everyone. Is it is it a similar model and offering? I would say the model is the is is very similar, but the actual menu itself, I've kind of um, what's the word? I've I've made it a little bit smaller um, so that there's. You know, obviously the signature dishes that we offer, but then we have a certain part of the menu that allows for um, quite a quite a bit of creativity. Um, I mean, before the pandemic, there was oh, we had quite an extensive menu. I think it was like almost forty items on the menu, but now there's around 30, 32 to thirty three, I believe. And that's obviously just um, for efficiency and consistency. Tell us a little bit about the offering there. It's China Lane and a sibling sister to China Doll down at Woolamaloo. Are there big differences between the venues? And tell us, tell us what you are doing at China Lane. Yeah, I mean they're they're, they're quite a quite a different venues. Um, I mean we've we've got uh, I would say probably five of the signature dishes from China Doll. Now that's like the Szechuan prawns and the belly, which everyone knows and everyone loves. Um, but then. <coughs> We also offer um, a whole range of different things that you would not find at either venue um, that are that are similar to each other. So I, I try and diversify and and make sure that we do a lot different things to to China Doll because I, I believe if you're just following that same model, then it, it, it's it's not something new. It's 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 a different environment in the city as well. So I think. Um, you know, we, we offer different things like bao and, and different sorts of um, proteins and meats and seafoods. And it's it's very different to, to the experience that you find at China Doll, which, which is good, which means, you know, you can go to both restaurants and experience something new. You sort of take a modern interpretation um, with your cooking. Tell us a little bit about your approach to creating dishes and where you get inspiration. Um. Before I started at China Lane, I actually didn't know anything about Asian food. So I actually started as the junior sous chef at China Lane. The original head chef was a, a gentleman called 
Ben Haywood, who actually used to work at China, China Doll. And it took a good six months of him to, to train me properly into understanding the techniques and flavors and, and different, different profiles that you'll find in, in Asian food. So for me, it was that transition from European food, which is what I'm trained in, to Asian food was probably one of the hardest things that I think I've, I've done in my career. But um, the benefits of, of learning that is that now my whole world has kind of opened up into something completely, completely new and completely different to what I've ever experienced before. Um, but my, my inspiration comes from quite a few things, actually. I mean, it, uh, food was always very um, the number one priority in my family. You know, with a young teenage boy, I was constantly eating, so my mum had to find different find different ways to <laughs> to feed me on bulk. Um, and you know, she's without a doubt probably the best cook I know, and I, I draw quite a lot of inspiration from her. Um, but also, uh, when I'm creating new dishes and things at that China Land, I try I, I try and um, take inspiration from things I've done in the, Euro in the European style of cooking and then try and turn that into like an Asian Asian style dish because that's uh, I would say that's where I'm, I'm most comfortable cooking is is in in between the Asian and the European so I just I, I try and put both ideas on the plate if that makes sense what's some of the sort of failures and successes you've had in sort of negating those two worlds to come up with the best dishes Oh look, so many failures. <laughs> but <laughs> but in saying that, you know, with without the failures, I wouldn't learn and I wouldn't grow. Um, so I could come up with an idea that I've done in the past, but then when I try and I try and put that on the plate with the Asian food, sometimes it actually just doesn't work, um, or you know, the clientele don't don't receive it too positively or but i mean that that also is is quite good for me because it allows me to take in that feedback and, and and adapt and change um i wouldn't say that there's only one singular failure that you know is is memorable but there there are multiple ones which which have kind of pushed me in the direction that i'm currently going I want to explore sort of your food in greater detail and what you're doing at China Lane in a little while, but you mentioned sort of food briefly when you were young. Take us back to when you were young. What, what sort of role did it play for you growing up? Oh, I mean, look, as I said, my growing up, my whole family was very, very obsessed with food. Um, from a very young age, my mother every you know Saturday, Sunday, or even the nighttime, she would be constantly baking, cooking, making everything from scratch. Um, she's got recipes from her grandmother, from her great grandmother, which she still uses today, um, which is you know kind of hand handed down generation to generation. Um, so, you know, my Saturdays and Sundays were were predominantly filled with helping her out in the kitchen. Um, so, you know, she'd be making pastry from scratch, she'd be making pies, she'd be baking cakes, she'd be making scones, she'd be anything and everything. Um, so I would say I, I had a very early um, introduction to food and essentially making things from scratch, which, you know, I, I would say it still benefits me from uh, 
today because I take that sort of concept and I just I, I kind of run with that and I think it's it's the only way to to progress is if you look what you've done in the past and then you try and you know change or adapt things from there and then you you kind of get quite creative with that so I think if um, if I didn't have that in my life I I I wouldn't currently be on the path that I am. Are there any sort of dishes or feasts that you remember from when you were young that you made with your mum as you sort of got interested in food? The best thing and, and the first thing that always comes to mind is cheese scones. <laughs> so I know it's a, very, it's a very basic recipe, but it's it's a very rustic recipe, but it's that was the, probably the first thing I ever learned how to bake or how to make from scratch. That and actually short crust uh, pastry because, yeah, so, and I probably would have been maybe six, seven when I started to actually learn how to do these things. Um, and she still makes these recipes to this day. So I, actually I was back in New Zealand um, two weeks ago and she knows the first thing I always request is is scones. So you know, <laughs> I walk in the door and there's, I smell the I smell the oven and there's there's scones already made for me. So like it's yeah, yeah. So it's 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 just something that's quite special to me. It's a very basic, simple recipe, but yeah, it's it's got something um something dear to my heart. Tell us about the sort of first steps into a career in hospitality. Where where did it begin and and what was it like? So my first introduction to the food world wasn't actually in a restaurant. It was actually in a butcher or in a butchery. So in New Zealand, we have a chain called The Mad Butcher. Um, and for those fellow Kiwis that know, um, The Mad Butcher is, uh, I wouldn't say it's like a high-end, high-grade uh, butchery, but it's just a standard butchery that offers great value for, for price. Um, you know, good good quantities, but I learned a lot about um, unique people and different people. I don't know if anyone's ever, <laughs> or if you've you've had too much, um, uh, too many things to do with um, old school butchers, but they can be quite um, intense people. Um, and being a 14, 15 year old boy, um, you know, going, going through puberty and experiencing my own, my own different changes, seeing that whole world was, is, is it was quite interesting. Um, I'd, I'd never experienced anything like that before, but it, it was a, it was a good life lesson. I mean, it would be the type of thing where I would, you know, work eight hours a day and I'd just be cleaning like rotten bins of meat um, you know, cleaning up after the butchers, hearing all their butchery stories and their life stories. Um, some I can't repeat on air. Actually, most of them I can't repeat on air because, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're very, very interesting stories. But um, I would say just that process of, you know, taking a whole animal and cutting it down to, to see the different sort of fillets and different sort of cuts of meat, that, that would be the probably my first introduction to, to the actual food world. And I found that very, very interesting. Um, I've never seen anything like that before, especially you know a whole dead cow on a on a table <laughs> being butchered. So, what led to a move into being a chef? Um, a lot of it would be my home life. Um, would be because I was obviously constantly 
surrounded by food and cooking from a young age, it kind of just pushed me towards it. Also, my family always was talking about chefs and restaurants and food. So I think subconsciously, I kind of always had the mentality that I've got to do something with food. <clears throat> Originally, I wanted to, while I was still in high school, wanted to study nutrition. Um, and I was talking to a couple of the teachers at the the school that I went to, and they said, you know, nutrition's amazing, it's a good course, but I, I didn't, uh, I wasn't set on the idea. I didn't fully see that my um, my career was, uh, I couldn't see myself in 30 years still being a nutrition, if that made sense. Um, but I would say I had a good conversation with my mum one day, and she said, you know, I understand that you, you're interested in nutrition, but do you see yourself going anywhere with it? And I was like, not really. You know, it's only like a two or three year thing. I think I'm, I might get a little bit bored. Um, I was a very active kid, so I always wanted to use my hands and always wanted to, you know, be quite physical. So I figured, you know what, uh, I, I, I'm not. I don't think I'm comfortable doing the nutrition thing. I, I kind of just want to. Um, go into the field of cooking. So I actually started um, a university course in New Zealand and it was a diploma in um, hospitality. Um, so it was a two-year diploma at AUT University um, and that actually had all the um, all the chefs were ex-Michelin star chefs from England and Spain and Italy and France and all of it. So that two-year diploma was probably the best thing that I think I've ever done for my career because it really opened up my eyes into something that, you know, I just, I have this massive passion for and massive love for. Um, and there was a mentor called, um, there was a guy called Alan Brown who used to work, I believe, it was a two Michelin star, I think it was the Ritz or something in London. But he kind of took me under his wing and, you know, helped help me out Um you know, I would I would ask him constantly ask him questions about different sorts of food and where he's been and um, you know how do I how do I make this how do I do this and he, he he really helped me push push myself and 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 look at different sort of aspects of 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 the cooking and I find if I didn't have someone like that I don't know if I would have a started at China Lane because I think. Without that push into finding something different, I, I, I think I would have stayed on the European path. What were the sort of early venues and people that were really important in kitchens for you as you started to build your career? Well, Alan obviously was one of the, one of the key factors, but there was an, another guy called Vladi who was a Bulgarian chef. I started working for him in Epsom, um, uh, yeah, Epsom in Auckland, and he owned a restaurant called Sopranos, and this was my first proper restaurant um, gig, and it was a Italian restaurant, like just a family, good, um, good quality, quite casual um, Italian restaurant, and the reason why it had the name Sopranos is that every Wednesday and Saturday night, they would have a soprano singer. So when you're yeah when you're dining this this soprano singer would come to the table and sing this opera, um, 
and for me, it was it was quite yeah quite an eye opening experience. Like <laughs> I'd never eaten something with the thought of having someone singing right next to me. But um, I mean, yeah, very very unique. I mean, a lot of um, people pure, um, specifically came in for that, for the singing and the dining, and 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 they really enjoyed it. A, a lot of older. Um, gentlemen and and, and um, females, they really they really enjoyed the fact that you could essentially get a show and a meal at the same time. Um, but the actual kitchen itself was my first experience into proper home style Italian food, um, which yeah was actually funnily enough, you know, created and done by a, a Bulgarian chef. Which yeah, I mean, obviously all these um, all these different cultures kind of kind of merged into one. So and and he really taught me the basics of Italian food. You know, all the pastas, the breads, the the salads, the um, you know the dining style, and and um, that definitely inspired me to continue on the European um, side of cooking. So I'd say definitely those two those two guys were the the most inspiration that actually got me started in in the food industry. Tell us about the move to Australia and what what was it like for you um, compared to what you were used to? Very different. New Zealand, growing up in Auckland, can be quite a small place. Um, as in, you know, I'll know someone who knows someone who knows someone who eventually all, it all comes around. So I think I just kind of, I wanted to experience something new. I wanted to ex- experience a bigger city, learn different styles and different techniques and different um, um, sorts of food. The one thing I did find back in Auckland when I was there, which was probably about 10, almost 12 years ago, um, we didn't have the same diversity as in um, restaurant-wise as what it currently is now. Um, when I moved to Sydney, um, you know, you could go to Chinatown, have an amazing meal. You could go to Newtown, have different sort of things. You could go to the city. You had so many different restaurants located in that one, that one centralized place. Whereas in Auckland, it was kind of, just starting to get there, if that made sense, where it was already established in Sydney. So um, I found it very daunting, very scary, um, because I I kind of I did it by myself. Um, I was with my ex partner at the time. She moved over a month after I did. Um, so I was here for about a month to a month and a half by myself, and I don't know how many people have done that, but it's probably one of the most scariest things I've done. Um, but it, it's definitely built a lot of character in myself. Um, but I'm very happy that I did make that move because I, if if I didn't, I wouldn't be in in the position I currently am now with with the experience and and knowledge that I currently have. What were sort of the key venues for you as you sort of started to find your feet in Sydney? Well, actually, funnily enough, my first experience of proper Asian or modern Asian food was actually China Doll. And I remember I came over for a holiday back in 2011, I think it was, and my first proper meal was at China Doll. 
and it's still my favorite dish of Sydney is they have this Alaskan crab dish. I don't know if you've you've ever had it, but first time I ever tried that, I went away from that saying, "Oh my god, I've 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 never had anything such amazing or so amazing, sorry, as as this Alaskan crab dish." Um and I would say that that kind of really imprinted this passion and drive in me because I'd never I'd never tasted something like it. So I would say that that kind of led me towards wanting to follow the that one dish kind of led me towards following the the um, modern Asian and and trying to diversify and 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 learn something new. Um, and then. <laughs> What else? Obviously, the 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 Italian food in in Sydney is is amazing, um, and then I also had another great experience at funnily enough China Lane. So within China Doll and China, it's it's very odd that they had, and I didn't even know that they were in the same company as well. I thought I thought it was just very odd that they had two different restaurants. Um, and I ate one meal there, and I, I said, you know what? I want to work at this place. I want to learn how to do this because I was just quite quite amazed by what what they did. And then I started as the junior sous two weeks later. Wow! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell us about that period of time. You know, as you were sort of you learnt sort of learning your craft at China Lane, but when you sort of got the gig to be head chef, what was that transition like for you? Was it quite different to being part of the brigade and then leading them? Very different. Without a doubt, the hardest decision I think I've made, but the most beneficial. Um, when you first take over a role like that, um, there is a lot to learn, and that was my very first head chef role. Um First proper head chef role, sorry. Um, the 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 hardest thing about the kitchen would be not creating menus, not creating dishes or um, anything like that. Is actually the management of staff. Uh, you got multiple different personalities in a kitchen, which is great, but to try and get them to work cohesively and to create together is probably the the one learning experience that that was probably the hardest for me is to actually understand how to lead a team properly how to manage the team properly and how to get the best out of them um the other aspect was actually be learning how to create new dishes which are cost effective and and work out and and streamline ready for the restaurant now, I was obviously still, and I still am, still learning about a lot of the Asian food, um, you know, different tastes, different flavors, different sort of pickles, different um, different ingredients, things that I'd never, like shrimp paste, for example. I'd never, never seen shrimp paste before. I started at China Lane or never... Never knew how to make a wok fried dish or never knew what... I didn't even know what salt and pepper prawns were. Um, so I'd say just, just kind of learning how to create new things and how to adapt myself um, would would definitely be the hardest thing I've done. But I would say without, without me 
doing that, I wouldn't be um, I wouldn't be able to create what I am now, um, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to have the staff members that I do have now. With with you know, I've I've got quite a good core team at China Lane at the moment, which have really helped the restaurant and helped myself progress, um, and they've also taught me a lot. Um, about their cultures as well, which is, it, it's kind of learning on the job. Um, I mean, there'll be things that they'll, they'll, they'll come to me some days and say, hey, chef, have you tried this? And I'll be like, no, I've, I've, I've actually never tried that. What's it? And then they'll explain it. Um, and then, you know, next week we'll try it. And then next, you know, the next couple of weeks it may be on the menu or we may do it as a special. So it's constantly evolving and constantly taking in ideas. Frank Sheck is a legend of uh, China Doll. Do you, do you have a, a lot of interaction with him, with your role? Uh, I do, actually. It's more on a personal level. Um, I I value Frank Sheck um, tremendously. He's one of the one of the people that, if ever I need help with anything, and that's personal life or work life, anything, he's always there. He's always, always he's always one of the first people that I call if ever I'm in you know strife at work or I need some advice for something. Um, yeah, without a doubt, if if he, he has made my life a whole lot more fulfilled and easier with his mentorship, if that made sense. Um, it's it's good that he has such a following at China Doll. Um, you know, some of the signature dishes that he's created, we currently have on our menu here, but he also gives me the freedom and gives me, um, the, he allows me essentially to, you know, put my stamp on the menu and, and, and follow my ideas and my, my thoughts of what, where, where the restaurant needs to go. So, yeah, I mean, Frank Check, he's, well, he's, I think he's been there 25 years, almost 22 years at China Doll, um, which is obviously quite a long time. Um, but without him, I, I definitely wouldn't, um, I wouldn't be able to um, create or um, mentor my guys, if that makes sense. I, I use him as a, um, I use him as a reference point and where, where I would like to be. Tell us a little bit about your food, you know, with this license that you have to create and utilize your skills. Um, is there a dish or two that sort of exemplifies that, that you can tell us about? I wouldn't say that there's one dish. I would say that there's kind of multiple dishes, which I've tried to um, put my stamp on, on things. Um, I remember the first dish I ever made as a special was a dish called shaking beef, which is a Vietnamese dish. And what it is is essentially very, um, very intensely wok fried uh, beef with like a black pepper fish sauce style um, dressing, um, lots of watercress and onion. Um, and that would be my first experience into um, creating an, an, an Asian dish. And I would say that that, that was probably the, um, the very first time that I'd ever um, created something that was actually restaurant-worthy in, um, in the modern Asian restaurant. Um, so that would, yeah, I mean, 
that's probably the first dish that comes to mind. The second dish would be actually something that I've just created lately, which was um, I've I don't know if you've ever heard of cat's noodles. So cat's noodles is um, a Chinese uh, style of noodle, but it actually looks like an otakete. Um, and I've just yeah I've just created a, a, a dish on. Um, as as a special about about a month ago actually, which I, f I find it's it's kind of fusing the two together of the Italian style of food or the European style of food mixed with the Asian <coughs> influences and and techniques. Um, and then there's been multiple different dishes over to, over a period of time, which kind of have 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 made me evolve um myself i mean there's probably my signature dessert at, at china lane at the moment which is a hokey pokey parfait so hokey pokey's from well i like to i like to say it's from new zealand i don't know the full history like pavlova i don't know the full history um about it but uh that would probably be the first, uh, the first dessert I think that I really put my stamp on 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 things, and it's still on the restaurant to this day, and it's been on there since oh, seven years now. Been on the menu, yeah, and it's and it's kind of become a signature of ours. So I'd say that definitely those three dishes have have inspired me. You mentioned that the structure of the menu and the amount of dishes has changed since COVID and as a response to it. It's was it been a challenging couple of years, but what, what have been the positives to come out of it now that are sort of moving forward for you? Uh, I think a lot of people have a lot more respect for the hospitality business now. Um, you know, before COVID and, and uh, it was kind of... <sighs> The industry can be quite volatile, um, but I think the industry is moving forward um, in a really great way where we see, we start to see a lot more venues open up, which are actually focusing on different sort of culture, different diversity, different, um, uh, different sort of um, customer bases as well. They're not just focusing on just one customer style. They're kind of doing a whole broad range of of people, which kind of appeals to everyone. Um, but I think after after COVID, it's kind of it's it's developed a lot more appreciation. I think for the hard work and for the effort that actually goes into a, a restaurant or a kitchen. Um, and it was, I mean, COVID was a trying time, um, you know, being being locked down for uh, a year to a year and a half almost. I think that kind of allows people to change and develop and find new ways and new, new, new forms of making money or new forms of feeding people, whether that's uh, doing things like provador, or, you know, make, making restaurant style dishes that you cook at home, um, or you know, jumping onto the, you know, chefs doing online cookery courses. Um, so I think, uh, I think it's just allowed people to evolve a lot more. You've uh, built an amazing sort of career and really busy restaurant in a sort of laneway in Sydney. There, what, what do you love about what you do? 
Um, I love the freedom to be able to express myself. Um, I don't feel that I'm quite as restricted when it comes to creation or, or things on the menu. I, I, I have a lot of freedom when it comes to um, uh, essentially running the kitchen, um, which allows me to be very, very creative. Um, I would say that that's that by far is 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 the best thing that that kind of keeps me in this place is is constantly evolving and and, and changing. Um, I mean, China Lane itself is has been there ten years, I believe. Yeah, from last year it was our ten year anniversary. Um, and I've also noticed that you know the city is evolving itself. Five years ago, we didn't have as many restaurants as what there are now. You know, we've got the the laneway where we're located. We've got uh, right beside us. We've got restaurants like Leo, Mercado, Felix. You've got all the other restaurants by the Maryvale joints like uh, Jimmy's Falafel and Moomoo. They've just opened up. We've got Long Chim around us. So it's become its own little dining precinct, um, which you can actually find so many different styles of food. Um which I like because I, I, I think the only way that you can you can change is by experiencing something new, and also being challenged. Now, if it was only us in that laneway, or in that in that area, um, I don't feel that I would be as competitive or as willing to adapt and change as much as I am now. Um, which, yeah, I mean, it's uh, essentially it just allows me to. To get a lot better and to um, run the restaurant uh, or run the kitchen, sorry, um, differently and 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 change and adapt. Um, but yeah, I would I would say that that's having the freedom there to to be able to experience and and create something new is, is definitely the the big the big plus for me. Well, Christian, it's amazing what you're doing there at China Lane and an absolute honour to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear a bit of your story. Uh, please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Awesome. Thank you very much. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well. <laughs>